1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: Episode 677 with Mr. Uh, okay. Roger Williams, author of my favorite book, Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect, which is now on YouTube, technically, and first episode with Roger and I in 2022. Uh, yes. Roger, uh, Roger sent an innocent man to jail. He was just telling me how he was on jury <laughs> duty and he was telling me he's like dude I can't fucking tell anybody this but I knew he was innocent and I put him in jail anyway <laughs> and I think it's disgusting but you know what I respect Roger's autonomy and I won't kink shame if that's and, what what does it for you
1: but that's <laughs> how the jury system works it's, man it's all that's fucking it's all kink. what you're supposed to do yeah
0: leather leather oh. gimp mask and, and and ball in the mouth but uh well as always <laughs> Roger and I kick it off with a with a with a fever dream conversation that
1: went down that went downhill at a hurry. <laughs> that, that's that's that was a
0: beautiful starting to this, but um, obviously you've been very busy with this podcast, and I have, as always, like a terrible friend, been kicking this podcast down the road. But Roger and I are finally resuming the readings. We finished up well, about a couple days before Christmas, um, and that was
1: was that book one. We finished book one and uh, that ended with our heroes jay and emma being granted curator powers by the curators in thanks for the job that they did Mm -hmm. of uh uplifting the prometheans and finishing their curation which the curators hadn't been able to do mainly because the, the prometheans understood that the gifts were traps that they didn't want any part of uh, so now the Prometheans have interstellar travel and Jay and Emma have implants and can basically think their way across the galaxy. And they've also learned that the earth has stagnated and that human technology has not been progressing. They've been off world for about 40 years while they deal with the Promethean situation. And they've come back to find out that everything technological is about the same as it was 40 years before when they were exiled because the powers that be wanted the secret of their immortality gift that they had been given previously. So uh, it is now the year 2160 and our heroes are about 140 years old. Uh, they look younger than we do. You saying I don't okay. look beautiful. <laughs> is that a stab? I'm saying you don't look like you're in your early twenties.
0: <laughs> I take that as a backhand. <laughs>
1: So uh, so anyway, uh, I wanted to read six parts, which make a nice little self-contained arc where they fix the political situation on Earth. Uh, but before that, I have a, an article that's not part of either book that I wrote to describe the political situation on Earth and how it got that way. Um, it may be a little tight on the time, but we'll just see how it goes. Sure. Okay, so... This is the article, Earth Political, from Galactopedia, the free encyclopedia of the Milky Way. Earth, Curator's Index 1742660, is the human homeworld. This page covers the current era, as of 2160 CE, political situation on Earth and its interstellar human colonies. For information about Earth's physical equitrips, human anatomy, lack of curation, economics, or advanced electronics and fold technology, see the linked articles. Unlike most curated worlds, Earth does not have a unified planetary government. Earth's governance in its history is quite complex, having coalesced from a chaotic legacy of conflict and shifting alliance. At the time humans achieved space travel via massively complex and dangerous chemical rockets around 1950 CE, there were nearly 200 independent governing bodies called countries, asserting control over various geographical areas of the Earth. Today, there are four governing bodies, which together assert control over nearly the entire planetary landmass, the four modern powers. The four governing bodies of Earth today are, one, the Russo-American concordance controls the former country of Russia and its satellites in the continents of Europe and North and South America. Two, China controls roughly the southeastern quarter of the Asian continent. Its coastline runs continuously from north of the Korean Peninsula to areas of the former country of Bangladesh. Modern China includes the repatriated rogue state of Taiwan, the Korean Peninsula, and all of the other formerly separate countries of mainland Southeast Asia. Inland, its territory ranges west to the Himalayas and north to the Russian border. The Chinese protectorate also includes Madagascar and much of southern Africa through administrative councils, which are actually arms of the Chinese government. Three, the Indo-Japanese co-prosperity sphere controls the former country of India, the entire Middle East, Northern Africa, and through what began as a strategic alliance, the Pacific Island territories of Japan, the Philippines, Indonesia, Singapore, and most of the scattered Pacific Islands of Polynesia, which are still above sea level. Four, the continent of Australia remains an independent geopolitical entity with its own government. Modern Australia also governs the island subcontinents of Papua New Guinea and New Zealand. The Russo-American concordance. The countries of Russia, heading the Soviet Union, and America, the United States of America, or USA, were two of Earth's great superpowers and bitter enemies throughout the mid-20th century. Around 1990 CE, the Russian government collapsed, and after a brief dalliance with democracy, Russia was effectively taken over by representatives of organized crime, which had become the most powerful players in the chaotic post-collapse economic environment. After 1990 CE, relations between Russia and America warmed as powerful business interests began to merge. Around 2020 CE, the Russian government began to openly subvert democracy processes of states it was interested in controlling, including America, by the use of online propaganda, orchestrated blackmail of key politicians, and hacking of the primitive electoral processes in use then. By 2050 CE, Russia had effectively, but at that point, clandestinely assumed control of the governments of at least 20 other countries by these methods. By 2070 CE, the growing concordance had stranglehold on commerce in much of the Northern Hemisphere and the Americas, which it used ruthlessly to expand its influence and consolidate its control. Although it was not officially a single entity at this point, the member countries were bound by various treaties and agreements, which assured that they would usually act in concert. The true ruling government consisted of Russian oligarchs and organized crime family figureheads who moved their base of operations from Moscow to Atlanta as the climate change made the weather more unpredictable in Europe and Asia. It was the Russo-American concordance through its vassal member, the United States of America, which launched the Hermes, the interplanetary full-drive test mission, which attracted the civilians to make first contact and introduced humans to the curated galactic community. By 2090 CE, the Concordance had effective control over all of its modern extent. Amid the chaos of rising sea levels, shifting climatic regions, and population displacements, including the interstellar diaspora to the human colonies, the Concordance abruptly dropped the fiction that it was an alliance of nominally independent nations. Overnight, it erased all previously existing political boundaries within its domain and replaced them with a the simplified map of administrative districts, mostly bounded by lines of latitude and longitude and made roughly equal in scope, according to a formula based on population, economic production, and land area. Reference to the previous national identities or boundaries in print, broadcast, or online was prohibited by law. And in 2020 CE, nearly all mention of the various countries that had coalesced to form the Concordance had been eliminated from popular media. China. China is, by most assessments, the oldest political entity on Earth, tracing its origin to the legendary Xia Dynasty of roughly 2000 BCE. In that time, it has not been a single entity, having repeatedly fractured and reunified but it has retained a recognizable and continuous geopolitical identity for at least 4,000 Earth years. While this may seem like a short time in galactic terms, it is an extremely long run for a human institution. As Russia subverted the governments of the future concordance in the mid-21st century, China recognized an opportunity to consolidate its own sphere of influence and began by assimilating the rogue state of Taiwan. It followed by using subversion techniques to assimilate the Korean Peninsula and over time the other separate mainland nations of Southeast Asia. Rather than expand toward India, Russia, or Japan, where the Chinese knew they would meet formidable resistance, China consolidated its hold on the now deforested island of Madagascar and used it as a beachhead into southern Africa. The government of the country of South Africa was making a bit of its own to be a regional power in the 2060s, but China was able to overrun them with military and political resources for which the Africans had no answer. China did not adopt its new holdings in Africa into its official national territory as the other superpowers would do with their conquests, but its control over these territories is undisputed and China relies heavily on the natural resources of its African colony districts. Indo-Japanese co-prosperity sphere. As of 2010 CE, the country of India was widely lauded as being the Earth's largest democratic government. Viewing the Russian-American expansion and consolidation and the new Chinese aggression with alarm in the 2050s, the Indian government reached out to Japan to create an alliance. Japan was one of the most technically competent countries on Earth at the time, but very poor in natural resources. At first, the alliance was friendly and widely considered to be mutually beneficial. But the Japanese government was being subverted by the Yakuza organized crime clans, much as Russia's had been by its organized crime gangs in the early 21st century. And eventually the crime family rulers of Japan used the same tools the Russians had used to subvert and control India's democratic government. Throughout the second half of the 21st century, the alliance expanded aggressively across the Middle East and into northern Africa, taking advantage of the chaos caused by climate change. It also assimilated much of what remained of Polynesia with little resistance. Eight years after the Russo-American concordance erased all the old national boundaries within its domain, at the opening of the 22nd century, the Indo-Japanese alliance followed suit. Australia. Australia is the only geopolitical entity of the modern era, which is largely unchanged from the extent and polity of the 19th century. Being a self-contained, geographically isolated large island nation, Australia had nowhere to easily expand to and no reason to fracture. Its remoteness and relative lack of natural resources made it an unattractive target for conquest by the larger superpowers. While the other powers had to aggressively reduce their populations via the fold diaspora, Australia was actually able to increase its population in the 22nd century because new weather patterns made some formerly desert areas of the continent arable. The formerly separate island nations of Papua New Guinea and New Zealand joined Australia voluntarily rather than be assimilated by Indo-Japan. Seeing what happened in India and America, the Australians introduced measures to inoculate their electoral processes from foreign tampering. As of 2160 CE, they are the only large political entity on Earth to still practice democracy in a meaningful form. International relations. The Russo-American concordance, China, and Indo-Japanese co-prosperity sphere all maintain their own independent and self-sufficient semiconductor manufacturing lines, from the harvest of natural raw materials to the final production of products such as fold and supergravity drives, the Australians manufacture parts and provide services for the other producers, but do not produce final products of their own for the galactic market. Although they are nominally independent, the three powers which provide advanced Earth products cooperate as to pricing and delivery, often shipping products for one another. Although humans are famously warlike, there has not been an actual war between major powers on Earth since 2048. CE, making the modern reign of the four powers one of the most peaceful eras in modern human history. The extents of the four powers have been stable and mostly uncontested since 2130 CE. The human fold diaspora. The Earth's climate has warmed dramatically in the last three centuries due to atmospheric pollution from the humans' early industrial efforts By the late 21st century, this had caused the planet's ice caps to collapse, raising the sea level by over 10 meters and dramatically altering historic patterns of storm formation and precipitation. The rising sea has inundated much of the formerly arable land and many low-lying population centers, and changes in weather patterns have disrupted the productivity of other previously arable lands. By 2080 CE, famine, storm casualties, and epidemics were causing the human population to decrease for the first time in recorded history. Having invented fold ships which could land on an unimproved planet without ground support, humans began scouting for suitable curated but unindexed colony worlds in the 2060s. After the hybrid hyacinth-human giant landing fold ship Laputa began flying, the humans began an aggressive campaign of emigration and colonial development. The Laputa was so successful, the humans almost immediately began contracting with other species to build more Laputa-class ships, and throughout the next 30 years acquired roughly one per year. The reduction of Earth's population from its tide of 15 billion to the 2150 CE level of 800 million was partly accomplished by the emigration of roughly 7 billion to the colonies. Human colonial governance. The four powers of Earth mutually agreed that attempting to maintain an interstellar imperial presence would be a foolish and impractical waste of resources. All of the human colonies have their own local global governments on a more typical galactic model with democratically elected representative councils. Also unlike Earth, where the technology is banned, the colonies make use of curator-derived nanite tech, which makes possible a post-scarcity economy in which no individual has to find a source of monetary income in order to survive. Some effort was made in founding the colonies to make sure none of them would be dominated by any single popular human culture, so all of the colonies feature a mix of racial, religious, and political heritage similar to that which remains on Earth. See also Economy of Earth, Hyacinth Coalition, Trading with the Humans, a History by King Henry of Hyacinth, List of Human Colony Worlds, Non-Curator-Sourced Fold Technology. End of article. and that is where things are
0: I li- in the <laughs> i like i like the idea of, of of russia and america
1: it's it's politics makes strange bedfellows i like that yeah i had a little bit of fun coming up with that future history and uh the- i feel like that's probably more more probable
0: than maybe yeah. maybe i mean at first at first instance you go the fuck yeah but i mean <laughs> but i mean if there were was to be a merge Yeah, it would be it would be us and the other the other white yeah. people with a lot of weapons. That's right. What, that's what it would fucking and, be.
1: And and also, uh, you gotta remember I wrote this about three years ago. Uh and so all of the stuff with the former president and mm-hmm. Putin and all of that stuff was yeah. flying around. And so that was all in the back of my head. That's exactly what it would be. Russia could either join with
0: China or they'd go hey America, you want to team up on this thing? Oh, I think the Russians. Like I think, the Russians, like I think the Russians.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the Russians would join with us way before they would join with China. So do I.
0: I think it. <laughs> it did, we, they'd start like honeymooning. Like remember 45? <laughs> remember when we yeah. stuck it to him before? How about old times? Come on, you yeah. old hag! One more dance. So. <laughs>
1: Okay, so that's where things are when our heroes get back to Earth in 2160. So, Curators Book 2, Part 1. Now, uh, this is going to be your 10th reading of the Curators. I don't know if you want to restart with Book 2 or just keep numbering them because we're doing five or six episodes a time. Yeah, Yeah. I
0: mean, my labeling is just so people can find it in like the library. Yeah. It's just, this is the first episode. This is the 10th episode. So this is, this is a Curator's part 10 for me. That's, it's the 10th time we've discussed it yeah. in the podcast. It's, it makes no difference to me. It's whatever you want. Yeah.
1: If we keep going that way, we'll probably end up in the mid twenties when we finish the
0: whole thing. Who cares? It's just, as long
1: as it's, uh, as long as it's categorized, so people can find it and know where to go. Okay. So book two, part one. In the morning darkness of the last day of the Pax squatular, we made love. Partly we, or I suppose I should say I, worried that, we might not, that it might not all go spectacularly wrong and it might be our last chance. And partly just because, my wife, as my wife once famously told the Raiders of Canada, humans are always in season. I was 144 years old and Emma was 140. Either of us would have been care- carded to prove our age if we tried to buy cannabis. This was not generally the case for our peers. The people who ran the world still tended to look old because they had been old when we brought the anti-aging serum, which slows but does not reverse the effects of aging. And most of those old men had already been running the world when we left 40 years before. Considering how dynamic our history had once been, Earth had really changed little in that time, and that meant they were now botching it badly. So today we visit the Chinese, I said as the coffee brewed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How do you think they will react to our appearance? Emma poured her coffee and sat down. They'll try to kill us, of course. She was the warrior, so this didn't bother her. That they would try to kill us didn't bother me either. The curators had given us great powers with which to pursue the curation of our home world. And with her human experience and skills, Emma had made those powers into things even the curators themselves had never imagined. The curators preferred to do their deeds in the shadows, appearing in the corner of the room where you weren't looking, rarely leaving obvious evidence of their works. But being humans, Emma and I knew that saving Earth would require something a bit more theatrical. And being human, I knew we would probably have to kill a lot of the people we were about to call on. That bothered me. But it didn't bother me enough to call off the plan. They had saved 7 billion people in the galaxy's first interstellar diaspora as the Earth's climate changed, but they had also let 7 billion more die of privation and outright genocide as their homelands were drowned, their livelihoods dried up, and the agricultural lands that fed them became poisoned and barren. And with full technology, they had had the resources to save those people, too, if they had wanted to. Emma looked at the clock. The Chancellor should be taking his evening tea in a few minutes, she said. I joined her in casing our destination. Our implants are able to use microfold sensing to draw a map of worlds hundreds of light years away, accurate enough to tell where one might best appear so as not to draw attention and to target one's fold journey to that place. It worked even better when the target was only a few thousand kilometers away. The chancellor was in fact on his way to the antechamber where he would join his mistress in the evening. Mandarin Chinese was spoken exclusively within the government compound, but with the translation matrix loaded into our implants, we could understand the language clearly in real time and speak without hesitation, with a bit of an accent, but clearly understandable ourselves. Unlike the translation machines for which the matrix had originally been made, our implants were neurally interfaced, and so there was no obvious interaction necessary for us to speak such an unfamiliar language. The curators had been doing the same thing for billions of years. We donned the silver spandex suits the witnesses had made for us, and of course our crowns. Then we folded to a corner of the room where the Chancellor did not happen to be looking, as the curators usually do. If we might have a word, I said formally and politely. The Chancellor jumped. He was anticipating a romantic encounter, not this sort of surprise. Who are you and how did you get in here, he demanded. (laughs) We are the King and Queen of Earth, and we have come to take our thrones, Emma said. She tapped her titanium crown suggestively. What is this madness? You are one of the four leaders to have been taking our place and making a squee of it. The word which does not translate into English very well meant something like shitshow, but with particular nuances. It's what popped out of the translation matrix with a little mental asterisk. I am the ruler of this nation and your presence here is unacceptable. You will leave now. He pressed a little concealed button in the sleeve of his robe. We knew about it and let him, since it would be better for our purposes if someone saw what was about to happen. We will leave when it suits us to do so, Emma purred. A group of armed men burst into the room. We knew they were the only guards within 60 meters because the Chancellor liked his privacy when taking his private pleasure. But he was also not a stupid man, and he felt that a half a dozen elite guards with automatic weapons could take care of any surprises that might intrude on him. He was wrong. We let him get clear of the path between us and the guards, since it wouldn't suit our purposes for them to kill him the way Huey Long's guards had killed their leader. Remove these interlopers, he ordered, and the guards advanced. Emma projected a horizontally oriented gravitational field escalating to as much as half a gravity before the men could get to us. As they pushed into this increasing resistance, the leader said, we can't reach them, sir. The chancellor had not expected this, and now he ran for it. Unfortunately, he encountered another gravity field that I projected, preventing his escape. Just kill them, he finally shouted, and the men raised their arms. They all fired, and the bullets fell onto the floor in front of us, sharply deflected by an automatic process Emma had programmed into our implants. The default behavior by curators who programmed would have simply folded us to safety, but we wanted them to see and wonder about our powers. They fired again, this time in three round bursts, and then switching to full auto. After what sounded like a very brief thunderstorm, they ran out of ammo, and the floor in front of us was littered with bullets. That was very annoying, I said. The guards struggled to reload, but we used a heavier gravity pulse to force them back through the door and toss them across the far room. We could have easily killed them by keeping that field up until they hit something, but we let them decelerate safely instead. This is our homeworld, I lectured the soon-to-be-not-chancellor. We are human, but we no longer recognize it or how our brothers and sisters are treated here. You must commit to fix this. We have no problem with a scarcity based society since it's competition for resources that drove our people to greatness. But we do have a problem with a scarcity based society where a few people have stolen all the wealth and are letting those around them starve because they don't want innovation. I do not care what you want, the chancellor sputtered. I am the leader here. You will leave now or I will have you killed. You already tried that, Emma said. How's it working out for you? She was advancing on him, and he was retreating until his back was literally up against the wall. Emma reached for his face, and when her fingers touched him, she looked at the door. The guards, freed from the gravity trap, were just regrouping there. Please, their leader said. Let's just... Emma and the chancellor disappeared, but his clothes didn't. You're too late, boys, I said to the guards, and then I disappeared, too.
0: (laughs) big, dick energy.
1: (laughs) You think? (laughs) Okay. Book two, part two. The disappearance of the Chinese chancellor was global news, but the bizarre circumstances of his disappearance were not released. They could not hide the fact that the person who had been running one of the Earth's four superpowers for 65 years was suddenly missing, but they were able to keep a lid on just how that happened, at least for the public. We knew that the other three leaders had been told what really happened, though. So are we ready for the Russians? I asked Emma. She was in our underground lair as I was in the house eating breakfast, so I had to use the microfold intercom to talk to her. This feature of our curator implants allowed us to not only talk, but to share sensory data and thoughts with each other or any other curator within its considerable interstellar range. She responded by sharing our current estimated schematic of the compound in Atlanta or more properly, Marietta, Georgia. It was a windowless reinforced concrete cube the oligarchs had originally commissioned through a multinational holding corporation, which declared that it would be its global headquarters. The oligarchs had been getting tired of freezing their asses off in Moscow and whatever they were calling Leningrad those days. Being basically mobsters, they had no real loyalty to their home nation, and they all spoke passable English. It had also dawned on everyone that rising sea levels and other effects of climate change were not going to be friendly to Washington, D.C., London, or a number of other traditional capital cities, but Atlanta was far above sea level, well inland, temperate, and an international travel hub. They dropped the fiction that this monument was not the capital of the Russo-American concordance at the same time they dropped the fiction that the individual member governments actually still meant anything. The building continued to be known by the ambiguous name the Russians had given it when they were trying to obscure its purpose, the center. Of what, who might guess? The center was an example of -of state-of-the-art human engineering, powered by triple sunlight furnace generating stations buried deep within the earth beneath it and protected by both conventional projectile and sunlight cannon defense systems on all sides. Access was protected by both physical tokens and biometrics. Three levels of confirmation were necessary, and if anything didn't match, you would be detained. The details of what happened after that were not clear, but people who tried to get into the center without authorization tended to disappear without a trace. The director's quarters were, of course, in the center of the cube, surrounded by guards and protected on all sides by the best surveillance equipment available, They featured a 30-square-meter safe room protected on all sides by half a meter of solid steel with a 15-metric-ton door and connections to all the security systems inside. And ever since our jaunt to Beijing, the director was never more than 10 meters from that door. A great deal of formerly routine business was being conducted in odd ways due to these paranoid security measures. He'll make the safe room, I observed. We want him to, Emma replied. From 2,000 kilometers away, the microfold sense that would allow us to safely fold to another world light years away let us know in great detail what was happening within the center. We again chose to show ourselves before the evening meal, but since Atlanta isn't on the other side of the world from Trilingua, this time it was late in the day for us, too. They were, of course, ready for us, and as soon as we were noticed, we were encircled by guards with their automatic weapons all pointed at us as the director made his way to the giant safe room door. One of the guards stepped forward and told us to get on the floor. Someone obviously didn't give you boys the memo, Emma said sweetly. The memo was to kill you if you look sideways. I suspect the memo failed to tell you how to do that, I said, and I used Jupiter's gravity to force the spokesman to his knees. This is a better way to address your king and queen. Of course, that, the rest of the guards all opened fire, and the bullets stopped a meter or so from us, la died. da and you know that shit actually gets boring after a while. I think you guys would get tired of looking like idiots, Emma said, and together we made a giant gesture. Actually, either of us could have done it just by thinking, but we wanted to keep them guessing how our powers worked, and a lot of them smacked hard against the far walls of the room. I kept up that gravity field while Emma checked out the safe room door. Nicely made, she observed. Shame just made of ordinary matter, though. Of all the sketchy things Emma has done with Fold technology, channeling the gravity of a black hole is about the sketchiest. But unlike most modern curators, Emma cut her teeth working out the math of how fold operations work. And when she combined that understanding with the specifications of what our implants could do, she had an aha moment. The great steel door grunted, then screamed, then crinkled inward upon itself until it was nothing but a rough sphere of metal ripped from its hinges and sitting in the opening it had once fitted perfectly. She then used a more conventional gravity source to levitate it out of the opening so she could pass. Of course, we could have simply folded it to the interior of the room. Its walls were no impediment to us. But that wouldn't have conveyed the sense of drama and power that we meant to project. When she dragged the director out, he was screaming, What are you? What the fuck are you? Alternating with almost the exact same question in Russia. When she forced him to his knees in front of me, some of the guards tried to raise their weapons, and I executed what Emma calls the automatic gun pinch to squeeze the muzzles of all the nearby firearms shut with the briefest pulse of black hole supergravity, and those who made the mistake of trying to fire their guns found them exploding. Once everyone got that memo and it was quiet, Emma said, We are your king and queen. She turned to the guards. When your leaders figure out who is going to take this man's place, let them know we will be back, as we still have matters to discuss. And then Emma, the director, and I all disappeared, but as in Beijing, the director's clothes did not disappear with him. The very first comment under that is, I'm just wondering where they're leaving their growing collection of naked dudes. (laughs) We will find out soon. Part 3. Tokyo was not as cold as Moscow, but it was being constantly battered by the most powerful storms ever observed. And while modern architecture could mostly stand up to those storms, the infrastructure around those high-tech buildings often couldn't. The Japanese government, which by the middle of the 21st century was mostly run by the Yakuza crime gangs, just as Russia's government had been taken over 50 years before, decided to follow the Russians' lead by building a new headquarters in India, which the Yakuza had subverted and taken over, much the same way the Russians had taken over Europe and the Americas. Like Atlanta, Yaipur was far inland, above sea level and temperate. The Yakuza built themselves a sprawling open-air palace in this land that they found pleasantly mountainous, but not too mountainous, much like Japan itself. And as with the Russians, it was nearly 30 years before most of the people ruled from this place learned that it was now their true capital, But the Temple of the East was not a giant security cube like the Russian center. Instead, it was a sprawling series of courtyards separated by narrow buildings with the occasional modest tower, none of it obviously very heavily fortified. By the time the Yakuza had built the temple, the full drive had made our conventional defenses a very obvious waste of resources. So instead of making it impregnable, they made it beautiful in a very traditional Japanese sense. As we cased the facility with our microfold sense, it seemed that the Yakuza had made a pretty naive assessment of the situation, surrounding their first council with a battalion of armed troops. The risk of a Huey Long-type situation, where his own troops accidentally killed him, seemed great. People are stupid, Emma said, as we shared the intel and our insights via the microfold. I'm not so sure, I warned. Yes, people get cocky, but you don't take over a quarter of the world by being completely stupid. And they know what we did in Beijing and Atlanta. People get overconfident, Emma answered in an unfortunately prophetic flourish. You do something that works for decades, you end up thinking it will work forever, even when you should know better. Since the Temple of the East was built so heavily on the idea of public spectacle, and that was what we were trying to harness anyway, we decided to take the first council from his daily morning public address, which was always conducted from a dais at the center of one of the temple's largest courtyards, since our hijinks in Atlanta, the courtyard would be filled with armed soldiers, nearly 4,000 of them, all armed with automatic weapons. We reasoned that being Yakuza, the first council was less worried about being killed by his own men than being abducted, which was actually a sensible and courageous strategy. Most men with his power would not have exposed themselves so brazenly. As he gave his address, we appeared behind him, and before anyone could react, I executed the gun pinch since we weren't sure how our bullet-deflecting defenses would handle automatic fire from thousands of weapons all at the same time. But to our surprise, nobody fired at us. And when the council realized we were were there, he turned and smiled. Bail over, Emma shouted to me via the microfold. I didn't know what this meant, but I saw that the crowd of soldiers were surging toward us, not firing their weapons, but those on the leading edge brandishing hypodermic needles. Take them and don't let them ever wake up, the first council shouted. And I realized I was thinking much faster than normal and that Emma was executing a complex checklist as the soldiers advanced. They crossed five or six meters before we finally blinked out and I found myself in pitch darkness. Don't make a sound, Emma warned. We haven't gone far. What the actual fuck, I countered. Nothing is working right. It was a curator failover routine that finally saved us. Nothing I made worked. Then where the fuck are we? I think a weapons locker adjacent to the courtyard. As if to confirm this, we heard the first council scream, Then where are they? In more muted tones, someone answered, We have learned important science from this. We theorized that a suitably advanced fold drive could overcome the inhibitor at close range, but nobody was sure it was actually, Just find and kill them! A fold inhibitor? Doesn't that shut down the whole world? Actually, the whole solar system. When you stiffen the fabric of space to make folding harder, it has to have a long range to be effective no matter how you do it. That has got to be pissing off a lot of people then. I don't care who objects. It stays up until you find them. I don't think that's going to work out well for him, Emma said. We fold it out through an inhibitor field? Not far, just 100 meters or so, and we barely manage that. We need to manage the situation somehow. We can't. Can't fold out from here? Maybe in small jumps, but it'll be obvious the inhibitor is a useful defense against us. (laughs) What can we still do? Well, obviously the microfold, but only at short range, too. No tapping the gravity of black holes or even the sun. What about Earth? Could we fly? (laughs) A brief pause. We can cancel Earth's gravity by redirecting its graviton field in opposition, but that just makes us weightless. What about the two of us together? Another pause. Hey, that works. With two implants working together, we can use one to cancel the Earth's gravity and the other for thrust. And you pinched their guns, didn't you? Yes, indeed, and I don't think they know it yet. While we made plans to salvage the situation, we could hear through the walls that everyone else in the entire solar system was intent on making them turn the fold inhibitor off. We need to show them that it's ineffective before someone launches a conventional (laughs) missile at them, Emma said. Let's roll. We folded back to the dais behind and on either side of the first council and each of us grabbed one of his arms and before anyone could react we shot straight up into the sky. A few sharp sounds from below announced that soldiers had made the mistake of trying to fire their pinched guns. The council struggled for a few seconds until Emma reminded him that if he managed to free himself he would simply fall to his death. After that he was quietly stoic as would-be Japanese heroes are taught to be in a seemingly hopeless situation. Since actually crossing all the space between where we were and where we wanted to be was not really a practical matter, we chose a small ledge on the side of a nearby mountain to alight. Once we were on the ground, the council sneered, What is this? Can't you just take me where you intend? Not just yet. We need to wait until your people turn off the fold inhibitor. Some my advisors were right. The inhibitor does stop you. It's a nuisance, but if it stopped us, we wouldn't be here. Less than a minute later, a lot of silent klaxons stopped ringing in our virtual ears. Our fold implants were working normally again. Over a year later, the first council's distinctive uniform was found on the ledge by a climber who was attempting what was considered an impossible approach to the mountain. Part four. It makes me nervous, Emma said, as we monitored the Australian Prime Minister. Dismissing your guards and going to a place where you were alone for most of the day is not exactly normal security practice. He knows what we did to the others, and they all had far better security resources than the Australians who bring to bear. This is more my department. Resisting us has not worked, so he's extending an invitation. Mr. Prime Minister, I said politely from behind him, <laughs> He stopped moving, nodded slightly, then turned to face us. He was not as old as the other rulers, and he actually smiled. You have won me a small bet if I remain here to collect it, he said with a little chuckle. My son-in-law was convinced that our small continent would be beneath your notice and not worthy of your attention. We care about the whole earth, Emma said. An admirable quality, the PM said. So am I to disappear this evening too, naked to whatever place you've arranged for me? We hadn't been planning on that for you, I said, and Emma let me do my diplomacy thing. We do need to discuss a few things. Your continent practices democracy, which is refreshing, but it's rather odd that nobody who's not a member of your few ruling families, one might even call them oligarchs, can ever manage to get on the ballot. Instead of protesting, he nodded. He walked to a cabinet and pulled out a liquor bottle and three glasses. I won't try to defend that, he said as he put the glasses down and proceeded to pour we have some excellent scotch distilleries here in Australia now. Can I interest you? We accepted the drinks and we all sat down. Our parents made the decision to lock out our lectures because they had seen what happened in America and India. If we agree to open it up, how can you guarantee the same fate will not befall us? Oh, that's easy, Emma said as she sipped the scotch, which was very fine. We are going to destroy them all. The only question is whether we will destroy you too. We'd prefer not to, I continued. We would really rather have someone who knows what they are doing pick up the pieces after we do what we have to do. You are only two people, the PM said. Yes, you have great powers, but how can you use them to destroy an entire world? We aren't going to destroy the world, Emma said sharply. This is our home. We are here to save it. We are going to destroy a few hundred people who have scammed and looted the place and made themselves the little tin gods. Little tin gods who let 7 billion people die instead of saving them, I added. We did everything we could about that, but we are a modestly sized and isolated desert country. We doubled our population through refugee immigration and pushed our productive capacities as far as we dared to accept as many as we could. We blame you for the situation. But the new deserts of this world were littered with human skeletons because the rich did not care what happened to the poor, You could have saved them all. You acquired a Laputa-class ship each year, but you were making two or three foal drives per month. The galaxy is full of civilizations that could have supplied you with hulls, but you were more interested in acquiring personal toys than in using the proceeds of your foal trade to save other humans. The PM nodded and tears rolled down his face. These were hard memories for him. What you say is true of most of us, but please don't say it is true of us in Australia. We have never had the means to produce our own fold tribes. The only reason the other three powers haven't overrun us is that if any one of them tried, the others would consider it a hostile grab against their interests. We to, petitioned them to do exactly what you suggest, but we have little power on this world. Our intent here is to change that, Emma said. My God, you're serious, aren't you? We just looked at him. Maybe not you, but they let 7 billion people die, I said. There was a look of realization in his eyes, and then he closed them. With his eyes closed, he said, You cannot let them suspect that it is your intention to make us their rulers. If they get that idea, they will destroy us. They all still have nuclear weapons and conventional delivery systems, as well as things like sunlight cannons in orbit. At this moment, they have to think that they are just as threat- we are just as threatened as they are, or we are doomed. What do you suggest? At this point, you must do to me whatever it is you did to the other leaders. They must not be allowed to think Australia is getting any kind of special treatment. As far as you know, we might have killed them. No, he sipped his scotch. I don't think you killed them. If you had, you would have left the body so everyone would know. No, you did something, probably something unpleasant, since you obviously hate their guts for good reason. But I am a ruler of one of the four powers for these last 35 years myself, And whatever they deserve at your hands, I will admit I must deserve it too. We need a ruler like you on this world when we finish shattering the clusterfuck that has entrenched itself here, Emma said. We can always get him back. We have Quentin and the implausible alibi if we need them, I reminded her. Emma extended her hands and the PM regarded them with something like horror. This is how you do it, isn't it? They say you have to touch. It makes it easier, she said, but you shouldn't be afraid. The others were afraid because they were ignorant cowards. We understand that you know the lack of common. Many long years ago, he admitted, but to his credit, he let Emma take his hands in her grasp. A moment later, we were all in a different, rather spartan room. The gravity is different, the PM said. We're off-world, but we're. Emma and I just waited, and a few moments later, she said, this is the Fold Ship CI 920156.14. It was at Earth to trade a few tons of refined tantalum for a fold drive. And because Earth isn't a regular part of its route, it won't be coming back. And it just folded out on the first leg of its journey home. Our personal implants can fold you to a nearby place like Earth orbit. But now that we're 180 light years from Sol, we can fold ourselves home, but we can't take you with us. But there are many fold ships routes within the galaxy, I added. And with a little patience and attentiveness, so you can get home again if you want to. He was naked now, but he didn't seem to care about that. You've sent me on walkabout, he exclaimed. I suppose that's a way of looking at at it, Emma said with a wry smile. All right, I can imagine the other's reaction to this, but thank you. This isn't a punishment. This is a thing I've always dreamed of doing. And they don't just let you go walkabout when you're the prime minister, even if you really want to do it. We left your clothes behind because they really are more of a liability than a protection here, I said. You'll soon realize that most of the curator's children find it deeply weird and suspicious that humans are so insistent on hiding our bodies. You'll also realize that you are in no danger because you're naked and nobody cares that any particular part of your body is visible. This is the norm everywhere in the galaxy except for Earth and her colonies. Hopefully this will give you a new perspective if you make your way back home. I understand. I was taught all of this, of course, but living it is going to be a little hard to get used to. What about not having the mark of the curators? As with humans, most aliens aren't very attentive about things that aren't there. Only someone who studies the curators professionally would be curious enough to wonder about it. He looked across the room. Okay, the green button opens the door, doesn't it? They nodded and folded home. He was going to be okay. Okay. Nearly all of the Earth's electric power is produced by sunlight furnace powered steam turbine systems. Electricity is no longer transmitted long distances. Those generators tend to run in pairs so they can be taken down for maintenance one at a time. During the 20 minutes the fold inhibitor was online, they all went down at the same time everywhere on Earth. At that time, there were 12 alien fold ships in orbit. All of them obviously lost their ability to leave but they also lost power, communications, and artificial gravity. Dozens of aliens were injured when the gravity plating suddenly came back on. Most of them were from civilizations that don't recognize the value of a money reward as a relief for such an insult, and it started a slew of interplanetary diplomatic incidents. By the time we visited the Australian PM, everyone was in agreement that no matter what the royal couple might do, if anyone turned on another fold inhibitor, it would be nuked without hesitation. During those first weeks of our project, the ships and the alien individuals came and went as they always did. With Earth being the only source for its unique phone drives, the trade had made it one of the most cosmopolitan worlds in the galaxy. But now more of those aliens who were coming to spend some time on Earth were actually curators. We never knew which ones or how many. But three days after our visit to the Australian PM, we came home from the grocery store in Terlingwood to find our old friend, the human form curator, waiting for us in our living room. This time he had brought a fifth of fine Australian single malt scotch. I heard you two had developed a taste for this, he said as he poured. We didn't realize so many of the distillers had moved from Scotland to Australia. Well, they had to move somewhere after the Gulf Stream shut down and Europe started freezing over, and unlike a lot of people, everyone wanted them. Australia didn't have the very best climate for their raw materials, but they were also looking at the politics. So what brings you to the heart of the Dark Empire, Emma asked. Well, you two, obviously. We realize the next move your opponents will make is to try to hide themselves. The microfold makes this a fool's game, but it does require rather a lot of effort to track who is moving where and doing what. We've moved a few people in to help with this. We'll keep you updated as to who is actually running things in each of the powers. I love the irony, Emma said. This world thinks it is the greatest surveillance state in the galaxy, but we're using the tech they can't manage they can't imagine to surveil them. Even those of us who opposed your elevation generally see the humor in that, he said. It made the approval of this operation a lot easier to secure. We won't be acting on your behalf or anticipating what you will do with the information we provide. But it's natural question for us to wonder who is actually running one of our most important worlds in our garden. And of course, we'd share that information with any of our colleagues. They tried setting up shadow governments in deep underground bunkers. They tried setting up shadow governments on islands halfway around the world from their old capital. They tried setting up hapless frontmen as bait while the real leaders ruled from the back of the room. They tried pretending the real power was with a committee or legislative body, but there was always someone calling the shots. None of these rulers remembered how to do it without a dictator at the center of things. We made 11 more people disappear. We had to pace our activities by the fold ship tra- traffic. Fortunately, what we were doing didn't have much effect on day-to-day commerce. We were just working our way through people who saw the disappearance of their former masters as an opportunity for advancement. It took a few examples for them to realize that advancement, what advancement would really mean. And the aliens didn't connect the dots to realize for the time being a visit to Earth might mean leaving with an extra crazy human passenger. That isn't the sort of thing they would waste precious microfold bandwidth to discuss. Finally, we were informed the Japanese genuinely seemed to have failed to find another civilian leader, and that one of their top generals seemed to be running the things that continued to run. Although he insisted he was not the first council that did not hold that office's power, he also secluded himself as the Australian PM had, as if he was waiting for visitors. Sorry. We did not disappoint him. They say nobody has ever seen you appear, he said, when he realized he was no longer alone. We try to be discreet, I said. Abducting all of our leaders is discreet? Indiscreet would be killing you all, Emma said. That was tempting, but we're here because this world has seen far too much death already. I never sought to be the supreme leader of my country, he said. I only sought to serve my people and to protect the balance of power that has been in place for this last century. Tell me what I must do to continue to do that and to see my wife and children again tonight. I thought we were clear on that, I said. You must bend the knee and accept us as your rulers. Without hesitation, he knelt. I serve by your command, he said. That is easy for me to declare since there is now nobody else willing to accept my allegiance. I cannot promise what my supposed followers will do, though. They will probably kill me as a traitor. We will give you such protection as we can, I said. It's not perfect but we hope you realize it's considerable. For now our instruction to you is to contact the Australians. They are forming a new government according to our specification. You will offer your military to protect them and for their guidance to rule your lands. What if our people refuse to go along? Part of our specification is that most governments will be local and democratic. Earth does not need an authoritarian supreme leader. The Australians will add representatives of your people to the council they are forming which will mostly be concerned with matters of global trade, production, the environment, and human rights. Your people will have no reason to fear oppression. If things ever tilt in that direction, they know we will intervene. Our king and queen? Isn't that authoritarian? It would be if we really intended to rule. But once we've set you up to rule yourselves, our only real function will be to make sure nobody else tries to take our position. The curators also kept tabs on the leaders we had exiled. None of the alien races bothered to maintain the kind of security and identity systems that humans take for granted, so there was no official document trail we could follow to figure out where our ex-leaders might show up. But every world had at least one curator living in disguise, and they kept us updated as the out-of-place human visitors figured out how to live among the aliens. A few of them even managed to book passage to other worlds from which they might eventually make their way back to Earth. (laughs) 3,000 light years away, on the world listed as number 920156 in the curator's index, the implausible alibi alighted near the door of a traveler's lodge. Quentin knocked on the door and the Australian prime minister answered, naked except for a loincloth. I thought I was the only human on this world, he said. You were until a few minutes ago. Your king and queen have sent me to bring you home. Pity, I was getting used to this place. The natives don't consider it an old world, but it's shockingly ancient by human standards. So have our new rulers made a terrible mess? The usual intrigues, assassination attempts, attempted coup, would-be tyrants, plotting, betrayal, you know, nothing the king and queen can't deal with. And what the hell do they need me for? Quentin shrugged. You'd have to ask them that. I just fly the ship. Part six. We met Quentin on Mars. The Earth-Luna system is swarmed with fold sensors, and so are the gas giant planets, which aliens who lack our technology are likely to use for velocity adjustments. But now that we know there are so many habitable worlds in the galaxy, and most of its geology has been worked out, Mars doesn't get that much interest. We figured Quentin would have at least 20 minutes before the scanners would positively figure out where he was. The PM was as comfortable as if he had lived his entire life naked. There is so much we don't know about these cultures, he said. If humans had any idea, we'd probably do things much differently. That's one of the reasons we sent you there, Emma said. But soon we might need you, and we want to be sure you're the first of our exiles to return. So how do you arrange that? We nodded at Quentin, who folded us to the vicinity of Earth, just below geosynchronous orbits, so we wouldn't get whacked by a communication satellite. Emma took the PM's hand, and moments later, we were in the lair under our house at Trilingua. Moments after that, well before its sensors could properly fix him, Quentin folded off to the other side of the galaxy, well beyond the point where their sensors could properly follow. An underground lair, the PM said. I suppose I should have seen that coming. But not a prison, I said. Right now the Earth is a hornet's nest we have stirred, and it's important that you appear at exactly the right moment. And how do you determine that moment? Well, we don't really. Right now it's kind of up to the Chinese. The Russians had folded up the same way the Japanese had, basically also being a criminal gang with no loyalty to anything other than personal interests. As soon as they realized we were seriously going to keep disappearing anyone who seemed to be running the place, the Chinese were different. They were actually patriotic and had a long history of making their stand against the rest of the world. The fifth of their leaders that we abducted bowed and warned that they would stand strong unless we genocidally eliminated all of their ruling families. Well, that's an interesting proposition, Emma replied. Instead of sending him to a fold ship, we asked him to tell us who we needed to persuade, and because he didn't want to disappear, he answered all of our questions candidly. As a result, instead of folding him to a fold ship, we folded him into their legislative chamber as they were preparing to select his replacement. Guards fired weapons at us. That went about as usual. The acting chancellor signaled for them to stand down, and to our slight surprise, they did. All of our leaders are safe, he said, when he had been supplied with a microphone. They may or may not come back. They've been sent out into the galaxy, and they all have the means to return if they learn how and try. A great ruckus went up, and another guard shot at us. This time Emma tossed him across the room hard enough to probably break some ribs. She was really starting to lose patience with our own species. The Chancellor signaled for us to speak. As usual in modern Chinese government, the language is Mandarin, but we still had the translation matrix loaded into our implants. The idea of sovereign nations fielding militaries against one another must end, I said. No other world in the galaxy does that. No other species does that. And it reinforces the idea which the curators developed about us, that we may not deserve to be a galactic species. There was much shouting, but it was gaveled down, and the leader of the lepage said, We have been a sovereign nation for more than 3,000 years. We will not stand down. You haven't actually been a single entity for all that long, Emma said. You've splintered and reformed several times with radically different philosophies. This time you must reform into a state of the United Earth, part of one government for all the people of this world, a government which which will not let 7 billion people ever die again of privation. That provoked a moment of shocked silence. Then the leader said, There will never be seven billion people on the earth again. We have learned that lesson. Even seven people is too many if they can be saved and you let them die, Emma said sharply. Your leadership was complicit in this, I added. We can forgive much. We are human and grew up here and we understand our own limitations. But this is not a thing that can ever be allowed to happen again. We can and will kill you all if it seems you are going back down that path. How many people have you killed so far as you try to make our world? Actually, zero, Emma said coyly. I would have been a bit more definite on a couple of occasions, but your king has held me back so far. This body has the power to do what you ask, the leader said. We can dissolve the powers of the high family, and we can disband ourselves. To do this properly will take time for negotiation, and it would be helpful if we had some idea what will follow. Talk to the Australians. We will leave you alone for one week, then we'll be back, I said, and Emma and I disappeared. That was pretty awesome, the Australian PM said. The Human Form Curator gave us slow applause. They had been watching us through the usual microfold surveillance methods, the curator forwarding the video feed to our TV set for the PM. Let's wait until we see what they do, I said. They will capitulate, the curator said. How about some fine Indonesian sparkling wine? Dare we ask how you know that? Our spies have fewer targets now, and so we've been concentrating on the Chinese. We can tell you how the floor vote will go with an error of at most five, and the margin will be at least 30. A month later, the Australian PM addressed the new ruling council of Earth, including its new Chinese representatives. We think of things on Earth as being old, he said. We think of some of our cultures as being ancient. But I stand before you, having slept on a modest lodge that was built over a million years ago. Out there, the aliens take such time scales for granted, even though as individuals, most of them live about as long as we do. As a species, we are not even children in this galaxy. We have done great things, and I know we will do more great things. But we also have to understand that we are one species in a galaxy that is full of life, and we must make our place here together. We must, not as Australians or Americans or Japanese or Indians or Chinese, but as humans, choose to do things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. We must do these things together and not as squabbling nations, because there is a galaxy out there of over a million inhabited worlds, and at least a few of them will be likely to ask themselves how they can best us, and we must make sure that none of them ever do. As applause thundered, the curator said, Really? Yeah, pretty much, Emma said. Sounded better in the original JFK. For 40 years, I have been told that humans have the best fold technology in the galaxy, he continued, and that there was no need for us to innovate, that innovation was bad because it might upset the balance of powers that prevailed here on Earth. But none of that has ever been true. We only have the second best fold technology in the galaxy. I've been told a race called the Prometheans has the third best just behind us in performance and much easier than ours to build in small quantities. But the best fold drives in the galaxy are those of the curators. The curators created the inferior and anite-based drives which most worlds used for fold transportation, but that's not the tech that they made for themselves. I've seen it at work. I have seen an individual being fold himself across the galaxy from the surface of one world to the surface of another without using a ship without obvious velocity translation, without rippling the air. They can do this almost undetectably. And every one of them carries an implant which allows them to do it at will just by thinking. There was an audible gasp from the audience. The public knew that their leaders had been systematically abducted until the next in line got the memo, but only a few knew just how that had been done. Far from having a commanding position, we have much work to do. We know the key to the curator's text starts with nanoassembly, not the joining of prepared nanites, but the creation of larger machines from scratch in the manner that the first nanites were created. This must be our next goal, and on this day, humanity will take the next step as we break ground on the Center for the Study of Nanoassembly right here in Melbourne. We will attract the best and the brightest, hopefully from our colonial exiles, as well as from all regions of the Earth. We face a long road since the curators have had billions of years to perfect their craft, but it is not in our nature to stand comfortably at second place. At that point, the place went up with applause again. And I thought the curator was going to face palm. Does he even have any idea what he's saying? He asked. Almost oh, definitely. Emma said, this is how you heard humans. No wonder we didn't curate you. He said. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that is the end of that arc. The, the next part begins a rather different phase of the story. So, I think that is a good place to pause for now.
0: I like that, man.
1: I like the little uh,
0: <laughs> love the JFK nod. <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's kind of fitting, though, that you use the all joking aside that you use the JFK nod because, I mean, of the many things you wanted to do, that was that was kind of one of the things, though, right? It was to stop the arms race with the Soviets to to pair up to do there's so much that JFK was kind of leaning towards like, like we don't have to keep Mm -hmm. going down this same route of one power, another power, another power. Like we can go. And obviously, you know.
1: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not quite old enough to remember JFK myself. Sure. I was born just after he was assassinated, but I do remember his spirit that the Apollo program and everything being very, very strong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: but I do like that. I do like that notion of kind of a super powerful entity, or in this case, entities, kind of going around and, and just using overwhelming technological superiority and just <laughs> grabbing the top guys here and there, kind of show them that nothing's holy. Nothing's mm-hmm. holy. Um,
1: that's how. That Sorry. They're human, so they—they're human, so they know how humans are going to react to this. Well, exactly. Yeah. No. 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 You, you
0: go to, <laughs> I mean, it's like, uh, it's like Doug, uh, Douglas MacArthur going into Japan right after they surrendered, and he was getting off the plane, and his assistants were like, "You—you you don't have your gun on you," and he was, and he was like, "Don't bring a gun," because like, look, if they're going to kill us, they're going to kill us. And he's <laughs> like, "But if you step off the plane without even a gun, that is the biggest like." alpha big dick move, like, I don't even fucking need this thing. But it's true. That's how humans, that's, yeah. especially in you know power politics and in those centers of power, you. Ha- I mean, it truly is, it is the human thing, yet you gotta go in and kind of beat the shit out of the biggest guy in the jail yard.
1: Yeah.
0: I love it. So that. I love <laughs> it. I feel like that's how you do it, though. Like, if you had, well, in this case, Curator, but if you had, like, Alien Tech, mm-hmm and you wanted to enact a lasting change in the world, how else would you do it, right?
1: You'd have to speak their language. Yeah. So uh, the rest of book two is going to be about Jay and Emma coming to terms with their powers as curators and the human race sort of developing a place for itself in the galaxy. Book one was more about us learning where we stood with the galaxy now we're going to become a little more active about establishing ourselves as a player um, with some interesting consequences
0: but it also kind of seems like in a weird way it's like the very thing they're pushing away they're kind of utilizing they're like if there are a million worlds out there that could decide they want us gone like we're kind of back at square one though it's the whole like we got to fuck them before they fuck us. And it's like, wait, that's how
1: we got here. But uh, the thing is, they know that none of those worlds really has that technology. What's going to, uh, what's going to become more interesting is the relationship between humans and the curators. But that's not going to, you know, that that's sort of going to be developing throughout book two. At first, it's just going to be Jay and Emma sort of getting how to be a curator lessons, you know, and and uh, introductions to how the curators do things. We'll learn more about the background of how they curate the galaxy and how they make solar systems and stuff, um, and how they tend to life forms that they're making. But then it will become more like the curators and the humans in general. Uh, are not exactly on the same page about little things like who owns the earth fair enough
0: um, <laughs> in a complete one eighty has nothing to do with this conversation so every sunday i, I kind of I clean my apartment just like a kind of vacuum sweep just so i don 't go insane and slowly turn this thing into a pigsty <laughs> and I normally use like non bleach like spray cleaner. And I ran out of that and now I have like bleach spray cleaner. Can I use that? Or is that like, are the fumes from that too strong? Do I need to wait until I go get sprinkled?
1: And this has nothing to do with this podcast, but yeah. it's, what I, it's what I'm about to do. It depends. It depends on the type of bleach and it also depends on what you're going to put it on because what it will do is screw up colors.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, counter, Kitchen countertop, bathroom vanity, bathroom toilet. yeah that's stuff really like that
1: yeah uh, i mean just just pay attention to what your nose is telling you 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 don't want to well the main thing is don't mix chlorine and ammonia. yeah well yeah i don't want, <laughs> i don't want to I, I don't want a
0: chemical burn my
1: yeah i don't die
0: we um, tried for fucking war crimes for
1: trying to synthesize <laughs> yeah i mean if, if you're if you're uh, like cleaning the bathroom or something if you got a vent fan run that yeah just to,
0: i got fans i can open the back window yeah,
1: I mean, just don't let the fumes build up.
0: That, yeah, I
1: get,
0: be... I get, I get randomly anxious about this shit. Where I'm like, this is how I go. <laughs> Fuck, am I gonna die from bleach? And then weighing it would be just
1: wait and go get some cleaner tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, you'll you have plenty of warning before you kill yourself with the bleach. I mean, you you won't have any doubt that you're causing a problem with your health before it causes a real problem with your health.
0: I might just wait and go get non-bleach cleaner tomorrow. Risk-reward. Well, what am yeah, I, I mean, really getting out of cleaning on Sunday as opposed to Monday?
1: There's that, too. There's that, too.
0: It's, you can see where my mind is. <laughs> like, time yeah. out from the curators. What do you know about bleach cleaner? <sighs> oh, fuck. Yeah, I guess I'll do it tomorrow. There's no need to die.
1: Yeah. Or, or even get irritated.
0: Yeah what, am I, yeah, what am I even? Stuff. What am I even balancing? Like, what needs to be done today? Like, that's my own OCD. It's like, okay, yeah, I normally clean on Sundays.
1: Damn it, this is scheduled.
0: Yeah, th- I think <laughs> that's more than do anything. It today. That I think that's what it is more than anything. I'm like, well, it is Sunday, you know. I might burn my lungs out, but it's Sunday, you know. It's on, It's like <laughs> it's like sh- ba- ba- ba. slow down. We can do it tomorrow, and it's. Yeah. Well, there's just a glimpse into my own unstable mind, but.
1: No. Oh, and, uh, I saw you, uh, you, you had sent me a text with a screenshot that you saw Atun Shea's, uh, video about prime intellect. I did. I and did. I liked it. I was, I was impressed. I, you know, uh, we actually talked for about two hours, uh, and, uh, he did all the editing and everything, uh, which I had no idea what to expect. Um, uh, And uh, he's at like 60,000 views now. So that's working out for him too. uh, I think I sold a couple of copies of the book off it (laughs) too.
0: Man. Dude, my brain's so fucking cooked.
1: I'm so tired. That has nothing to do with this. I actually took uh, Thursday and Friday uh, off the of sick days, which I almost never do because I had uh sore throat and I was coughing. Uh, it's like pretty sure it wasn't COVID because the presentation timeframe wasn't right, but it was, might've been the flu. Uh, and I was, I'm, I'm still a little flat because of that. Uh, although I'll you know, I, of course didn't help. I spent Wednesday in a liquid hydrogen plant all day, nothing to eat and, yeah, I still do that every once in a while. I think I'm kind of wintered out. <laughs> oh, and it was 25 degrees this morning, which is the first hard freeze that we've had this year. So, yeah, Louisiana. So when this happens, we're not ready for it. Yeah, I already know. I already know one guy who had to go battery shopping for his car over it. He's got a. Went to start the car. I didn't leave the house till 8 in the morning and the cars were both still covered with ice. Yeah. I had, I had to turn on the defroster and melt the ice off the windshield and everything and it's like we're not used to that in Louisiana. I think it was uh, in fact
0: negative 26 at my parents cabin this morning. Yeah. That's some fucking Soviet Union shit. <laughs> That's not even
1: like oh it's a cold one. That's like Fuck. that's yeah that's nuts yeah yeah oh the 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 thing is up in that part of the country though you have like machinery and infrastructure to deal with it well that's that's who they are they're they're northern peoples (laughs) a few years ago we had an ice storm in fact we had two of them the same year about three weeks apart that froze every bridge in the area which meant you couldn't get from anywhere to anywhere else. I was literally trapped on the other side of the lake because there's no way to get out of New Orleans without crossing a bridge. And all of the bridges were covered with black ice, so they were all closed. And we had visitors. The reason I was on the wrong side of the lake the second time is we had visitors from Fairmont, Minnesota, who had already flown in. And you can get from the airport to our shop without crossing the bridge. So they were there, and so... I was just like, I just checked into the hotel in Elmwood after I was done with them. But they were like, what's y'all's problem? It's like, you got half an, half an inch of ice on the road. I'm just like, we don't have salt. We don't have anything to get rid of it. And they were like, dude, we got a foot and a half of snow. They expect us to come in for work the next day. <laughs>
0: well, that's the fucking most annoying shit, too, is like, I love the north. But whenever you're like, yeah, I'm not used to it. They're like, there's 10 feet of snow in work. I'm like, I get it. You're fucking, I get it. You live here. I'm like, go, go to Valdosta, Georgia for a summer in August and tell me yeah. that you got, you guys will all be in medical tents with oxygen because you don't know how to deal with it doesn't mean i love the north but goddamn the most annoying shit there were 18 inches of ice and 14 feet of snow and i'm expected to be a, okay. all right do you want me to suck your dick as well as you should be if you're if you and your parents and your parents parents are all from this area i think after 3 generations you'd have it figured
1: out you don't get a trophy for doing what <laughs> Yeah, just like we we can we know how to deal with the heat yeah. and all that and hurricanes and stuff. It's like yeah, they were but that was just like no. I, in fact, one of uh, one of my coworkers decided he was going to be smart. You know, so he he said he remembered. Oh, I was like, and take the old Highway 90 route over the Wrigley's, which doesn't have a long bridge. But what he forgot was that after Katrina, they got rid of the little low-rise drawbridge and they built a nice tall hump so he got there in his company f-250 just in time to see a guy in a jeep try it dude gets halfway up starts sliding back takes out a row of highway uh cans yeah, you know, the b- barrels just like bowling pins <laughs> jason sees this and just puts the car truck in reverse and goes back to
0: Shut up. Fuck it that like, noise!
1: Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that was the last idea, and that nope, that's not gonna work either.
0: <laughs> Fuck that, dude! Fuck that! I, I ran my car into some snow on like January fourth, the day I got back from my trip, a mile from home, and then I uh, fucking stuck in it for like an hour. Cop car showed up, <laughs> fucking tow truck showed up. I'm just so tired. I'm getting over the gastroenteritis. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, "Fuck this! Fuck this fucking car!" The cop's like, "Yeah, I don't know if that Civic can handle the snow."
1: And I want
0: to be like, "You think?" But, you know, I'm not going to be a douche.
1: Actually, I had, I used to have a Civic, and back in the late '90s, I drove it home from Indianola, Mississippi, which is about 250 miles. They had had an ice storm in the Mississippi Delta, and I had never owned a front-wheel drive car before. And I was, even, I, I had to watch out whenever I'd get to a, a bridge, you know, across a canal or something, I'd have to like sort of glide across in the ice, but on the pavement, it was fine. And I kept passing RVs and trucks and it's driven off the road here and there and everywhere. And I was just trucking, you know, front wheel drive, man. Boy, that was, that was like, this is some shit. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I had like, I had like slid to the right from where they plowed into kind of like a mini snowbank. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I was just like I just fucking want to die here. Just, just leave me. Yeah. Just let my body <laughs> freeze over. Um Roger let's wrap this one up. We'll resume Sunday. Roger Williams, author of my favorite book, Metamorphosis Prime Intellect. I haven't started with the threats yet because it's still early in 2022, but I don't <laughs> want anybody to get comfortable out there if you don't buy this book. Harm and violence will be done to you and your loved ones. That that is a threat. So <laughs> And it is co-signed by Roger and uh everything Roger stands for. And you're going to have curator powers. I will have curator powers, also known as <laughs> <laughs> All right, big dog. I'll text you. I'll text you when it's up. Godspeed everybody. Roger. We resume Sunday. Take care, my dude.
1: Recording stopped.
0: Peace.